Now, if, if I've got this correct, this is the last podquisition before Christmas. Yeah, we're not doing one next week, I don't think, because we're, we're all just taking a sleep for a week. Yeah. We're taking a week off for Christmas. This is the last one of the year, is it? Uh... Or, oh no, because we've won then and then we've got New Year's. Yeah, next next time we'll do our uh, best ones. Oh yeah. This is this is the last one that will go up in 2018 because we're not doing next week and then the week after will be the new year. Right. So we gotta get it all out the way now. Does this have to be our games of the year episode? So. That's, well, may, maybe it should be. And we could throw a bit of it in. Um, I would say that's more for the next one. Yeah. It it's it's a weird week this week. Uh, I don't know where it's at. All all of the gaming news has slowed down. All the releases are slowed down. Everyone's just. Everyone's just spinning their wheels waiting to go go have a bit of time off, I think. Well, we got to make this one Christmas. I didn't think about it till now. but So I've got um, a mini metal screwdriver and I'm just going to bash it on my desk and that'll be holiday bells for everyone. Holiday bells, holiday bells, Christmas, 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 Christmas. <laughs> and then I will throw... A deck of playing cards at my monitor. It's a reindeer, isn't it? I'll take a, a, a bit of rubbish and put it on my head and it can be one of those Christmas hats. Christmas hat, uh, yeah. I'll follow Laura around serenading her like Mariah Carey. All she wants for Christmas is to eat you. <laughs> Lovely. And to simulate uh, pulling crackers at Christmas where you uh, pull something in half and are disappointed with the results uh, instead of Christmas crackers. I've got Brexit for you all to enjoy. Oh. Merry Christmas. Oh, thank you. Merry Christmas, everyone. Uh. No deal, Brexit. Hot cross buns. Brexit crackers. You pull it apart on both sides. It gets torn in two and completely ruined and there's nothing inside it. Yeah, so it's <laughs> it's a no deal Brexit Christmas. <laughs> and it's shaped, it's shaped like a big red bus. It's shaped like a big red bus, and the prize inside is the news that you've only got six weeks of medication stored before the country runs out. It's a great time. Yeah. But at least you've got your own paper, meaningless crown on your head. Yeah. It's uh, definitely a nice day to avoid reading all the news, I have to say. <laughs> oh, come on. Come on. There. They're fighting over it in our parliament over here as well, and I'm just... Yeah, no, I'm just going to play some video games. Surely we're thrilled to know <laughs> that the UK has managed to find uh, $2 billion in budget. <laughs> Not for services or anything good, but, but to support the collapse of the country following Brexit. I'm, I'm waiting to get my hands on that, uh, that, that Dreams beta code, because then I can use it to create a fictional other world in which Brexit didn't happen, and I'll just live in the video game instead, please, because reality is yeah. not going good anymore. If, if you've just joined us, we're talking about a Brexit Christmas. Liberal propaganda. So, yeah, it's a no-deal Brexit Christmas for everyone. Yeah. Um, we'll stop talking about that now. Um, oh, I will just say this, right? And this is, don't worry, this isn't political opinions, everyone. Keep, <laughs> keep hold of yourselves. HBO put out a trailer for Brexit, the dramatisation starring Benedict Cumberbatch. Now, if you were to throw a lot of names and concepts, just a lot of words into a hat, and the hat had written on it, things Britain doesn't really need right now... <laughs> You'd probably pull out a Brexit dramatization starring Benedict Cumberbatch. So, so I, I just wanna like ask one, like there's a, there's a lot of questions I have about this, but my first question is: Don't you usually wait until a thing is finished and we know what the ending is before you make a dramatization of real life events? I think maybe they felt like that would be pointless because that that bit's just gonna be a shot for shot remake of the first Mad Max. I think that says a lot about the era we live in, really, doesn't it? We're in the social media age now, and news and entertainment move faster than they ever have. Yeah, so we've got to get documentaries on things before they've even happens that's where we're going to end up that's why every week there's a news story that says oh the walls are really closing in on you know who now oh oh he's really fucked now yeah <laughs> and it's like yeah no uh, <laughs> yeah like it's it's you've got to jump the gun which is ironic because most news is about guns 
I've, I've just realised I've got a way to make this Brexit chat into video game chat. Oh, please do. Uh, I, I did a thing this week where I wrote about a bunch of video games about Brexit. Did you know? You know those, like, terrible games where you're trying to, like, drive the vehicle over the, like, up and down course and, like, not fall over backwards and, like, balance the vehicle? Those kind of things? Is this a metaphor for Theresa May now, or is this actually a game? <laughs> no, there is a game where it's that, but you're the Brexit bus trying to drive up and down the, the spikes and falls in the uh, the Great British Pounds, like, graph of its value. Brilliant. <laughs> that's, that's a thing. And, like, oh you can God. see as it, like... As it falls and falls and falls, like, ah, this is what happened to do with Brexit, and then it fell again, try and not let the bus crash. Wow. Yeah, that that was a thing I played this week. Wonderful. Well, I suppose we can segue. That's enough SJW liberal leftist propaganda for one week. <laughs> what else are we supposed to talk about? There's no bloody video games. It's too close to Christmas. They stopped all the games. Put your gift-wrapped empty Brexit boxes under the Brexit Christmas twig, and we're going to talk about... <laughs> video games i think this is um it's funny that you guys uh, said a minute ago that um the news and the games are kind of slowing down this week because i think this is the first time ever in the history of this podcast that i played three new games in one week what yeah i played one new game and started a new game yeah. i think <laughs> i think gav might have played the most new games this week i think so i, yeah, I only played one new game that that is a definitely a once off. Well, do you want to do you want to kick us off with one then, Gav? Do you want to tell us about one of them games what you played? Uh, well, Jim played one of them. You played another one of them, and then I don't know if either of you played Ashen. Did you? I've not touched Ashen. Oh no, that's on my to do list. I keep forgetting. It's it's on my get round to it while I'm off work list. Um, Ashen's nice. It's a good time. It's a very um dedicated Dark Souls clone. I don't think it's unfair to say that, seeing it has exactly the same control scheme and mechanics as Dark Souls and similar level designs and things. But uh, yeah, it's a very good Dark Souls clone and it's got um, it's got enough things in it that keeps it feeling kind of different enough that you uh, you keep your interest in it. So yeah, that's a good little game. I'd recommend it. It's um, It's only on the Epic Store, though. So that's kind of a deal breaker for a lot of people, apparently. So there's a there's a few things that have been popping up there, either exclusive or timed recently. Um, so I've completely like not paid enough attention to this game. I don't even know is this a three D or a two D thing? It's a three D. Like it literally is. I mean, people compare stuff to Dark Souls, but this plays exactly like right down to like the the heavy and light attacks are on R one and R two kind of. It's I don't know why I was convinced that was a 2D game. Maybe it was just the logo or something. It's got that art style. It's got an art style to where you could think it would be. Um, yeah, it's good. It's got this overworld that's interesting to explore. It's a little bit more open in nature than Dark Souls. Um, the, the, it's a bit... I, w I, I, wouldn't, I would hesitate to call it open world, but it's still a little... It's not quite as linear as Dark Souls. Okay. Uh, it's as about it's a little bit easier because you always have a companion with you like if you don't have a co-op partner you have an ai and what's interesting is the ai will change to another person but the game won't tell you that it's doing it because it still looks like the same um npc from the village and you go on missions together and uh i think that's an interesting way of doing it and it was pretty cool it was only while i was fighting a boss that i realized oh this is actually another player who's with me now rather than the NPC that I travelled up here with. Does it at any point tell you that it was a person? Like, do you finish the fight and it's like, aha, you beat this person with this person? L literally the only way to know is that you can spot that um, players tend to move differently to NPCs. Ah. So, because I, w I was like, thank God my microphone wasn't on because I didn't know this was a feature. And my NPC suddenly went running up, jumping off a waterfall. And I was like, what the f... I literally said out loud, I was like, what the fuck is this dumb shit doing? Or something along those <laughs> lines. Was like, <laughs> then I realised there's another person. like, I really am glad my microphone wasn't on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How yeah. odd. But yeah, it's a fun, fun game. Does this at all have the problem that some of those Dark Souls clones have where you play it and go... Yeah, but it's not Dark Souls, though. For me, it did, yeah. I mean, I know I'm not going to finish it. I got a fair bit in, but I kind of... 
For me, hard, I've said this so many times on the podcast, hard games need an incredibly interesting world and story to draw me on because I don't like the challenge. (laughs) So for me, I don't think it has as much of that as Dark Souls has to keep me playing it. But for people who enjoy that aspect of FromSoft games, they're probably going to love this game. I, I, I can empathise with that needing a narrative hook sometimes to get through a tough game. Like, it, it's why I was so praising of Celeste when it came out earlier this year. Like, it, the narrative was there to keep me pushing through, but yeah. I might have to give it a go if it's just Dark Soulsy combat-y stuff. I've been very curious. I'm, I'm going to have to get it downloaded after we're done here because I, I keep meaning to and I've forgotten, but... Yeah, I'm up for it. I'm always, I'm always gonna give a Souls-like game a go. Yeah. I'll always give it a try. Um, there have been very few that have managed to, you know, stand out on their own, but there have been a couple. Exactly, and I, I feel like, um, I feel like at some point it's going to become, we're, we're gonna lose the kind of negative connotation of the word Souls-like because I was thinking about this. I mean, everything that has, you know first person shooter controls isn't a doom like at this point you know so yeah i i think the thing that needs to happen is you need like three or four competing franchises that all do that gameplay style well and at that point it becomes like oh this is this is a genre this isn't just people cribbing off this thing yeah exactly and I, i think like the good dark souls clones are still so few and far between that they are the exceptions rather than, oh, here's another example of the genre. Yeah. And and, and this one, like, it, it it's kind of a meme these days that everything is the Dark Souls of this and that. But this truly more than any game I've seen. I mean, <laughs> it's everything in it is just Dark Souls with a different name. Like you have like the equivalent of your Estus flasks that replenish. You If you die, you go and pick up your souls, you know, or whatever they call them in the game. Um, the big difference is that you have a hub area, which is like a little village. And as you go through the game, you build up this village and more NPCs come to join you in the village. And it starts um, bringing the world, the world starts to feel more alive. I think that's really cool. It definitely has a very different atmosphere to Dark Souls. It doesn't have the kind of bleak, um, oppressive, um, sad atmosphere that Dark Souls had. It's a little bit more cheerful. So, yeah, I recommend it. It's pretty good. Oh. All that hearing you talk about that has made me think about is that I still really want to play Code Vein when it comes out next year, which is that, like, Namco Bandai... Is that the anime one? It's the very... the sort of emo anime-looking one. Yeah. I'm like, that was fun, and was very Dark Souls. Um, I'm I'm still excited for that one. I want to try that one out. Cool. Huzzah! Video games. Uh... I I played I played one this week what Jim recommended to me last week and thought was going to be my jam. I uh, I picked up the hex since mm. last week and I have a lot of feelings and thoughts about that game that I am still kind of trying to unravel. Um I I am glad you made the recommendation. I do not regret playing it. It was a very interesting use of what 5 5 hours or so. Um yeah. I feel like it could have been... There's a very definitive section at the end of that game that is like, everything kind of changes a bit and you do something different. And I kind of feel like maybe it would have benefited from getting to that a little sooner than it did. But all of the interesting stuff with how it plays with the player and the player's expectations was really good. I really enjoyed the way that they did all of these different gameplay styles with one control setup. I liked some of the interesting blending of lines. And I'm trying not to say too much about it to not ruin the experience. I think I think it could have done with maybe being just a smidgen shorter. I would agree with that, yeah. But I don't but I I don't regret my time with it at all. Like yeah. That there was a point, like, before you get to that last section of the game where things kind of really pick up, there was a little bit where I was playing mainly because I I had invested time and wanted to know how it ended, not because I was necessarily loving the moment-to-moment of it. 
Yeah. But it did pick back up and its ending was totally worth getting to. Yeah. I, th- I think it could have benefited from all of the... Because there, there's, there are separate stories for each of these characters. And um, I, I want to say the first two moved along at a fairly decent clip and the other ones were all really good but didn't quite have the, the, the sense of pace that the first two had. I, I think a lot of the later ones could have done with being 15 minutes shorter each. You could have taken some stuff out of each one, yeah. Yeah, you could have cut 10-15 minutes out of each, and I wouldn't have been upset, and I, it probably would have helped the pacing. But that doesn't change the fact that, like... Here's the thing. I... I am willing to forgive a game that is a little iffy with its pacing when it's only five hours. Like, five hours is short enough that I can forgive a game that maybe wasted half an hour that it probably could have cut down. Yeah, yeah. For, 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 the, for the ending it had, I will forgive it that, that pacing issue. And, you know, it says a lot that even if there are bits in it that are a bit slower, um, you are still compelled, you still want to know where the plot's going. One never feels like the plot itself is stalling so much as... I think there was just some elements of gameplay that uh, they wanted to show off a bit more, even when, like, a bit after the point was made with it. Yeah. Uh, so they might have lingered a little bit on some of that, but, um, you know, I loved it. I, I it, it is one of my favourite games, having played it now. Uh, I loved what it was doing and saying. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I can't disagree that, uh, certainly for some people, it... it could outstay its welcome a bit, which is a, it's a rough thing for a game. Yeah, it's tough to balance that, like get it, giving people enough time, and how much of that time might just be a bit arbitrary. The the fact that that's my biggest complaint about it says a lot, and I've been thinking about giving it a second playthrough already, just because now that I know what's going on, I kind of want to go back and experience it without. Yeah without the mystery there, to see just how it feels when I'm not like, yeah, but I want the answers, though. Can you just give me the answers, please? What's the answers? What's going on? There's another ending as well. There's a really convoluted... I won't discuss it here, but there's a really convoluted but but thematically appropriate way of obtaining it that requires doing stuff outside of the game as well as in it. Um... I've not seen it yet, but but I'll I have to give that a check out, and and because I heard it adds a little extra context. Let me know if it's worth the effort to do, because I'm interested in doing a second playthrough, and I might pay attention to that. But uh, yeah, so yeah, I ch- I checked out the hex, and once again, you found a game that I was not disappointed by. Y- you're pretty good at that, Jim. I I'm you know. I, I sometimes see things and think people will like them, and I'm I'm generally right. I'm generally right on my recommendations. You're pretty good at that. Um, so Jim, what what you played this week? What have I played this week? Um, mostly Hyrule Warriors. I've been going back to that because there's there's just a stupid amount of content in that that game that that only got more and more added to. The adventure maps alone have enough gameplay in them for a, an individual campaign in their own right. And in the definitive and the Switch version, there's like... God, I don't even know how many. There's one for, I think, each major entry in the Zelda series. Um, hmm. and, and they're just full of different battles and tons of like costumes and weapons and stuff to unlock. And, and I'm still plugging away on the first one, really. Um, I dug in a little to get the the fucking rabbit from uh, A Link Between Worlds as a playable character. Um, they got some good characters in there. But yeah, it's just still a lot of fun. Uh, I played a lot more Smash and ended up with cards powerful enough to where most battles in that World of Light was a joke at that point. Um, but yeah, that was still fun. I just haven't gotten back to Smash, but did some Zelda. Um, Hyrule Warriors, still fucking great fun. And then I played uh, one that I know y'all have played a bit of. Um, I, I didn't play much of it because I decided it wasn't worth my time. Though I'm now getting curious again and want to sort of go back and see if it was as boring as I remember it. But uh, Below, I don't know if, if any of you have played Below. Yeah, I, pl- I played Below. It uh, wasn't for me. Below expectations. <laughs> 
Yeah, from the moment the game began with the longest fucking zoom in right? I've ever... I, I thought my game was after crashing. I was like, is this a loading screen? What's going on here? I was... Not, I, yeah, I wasn't sure what the hell was going on. Mm. I, I, I kept thinking... Has the game started and I don't know what to do? But I, I kept hitting pause and he kept saying skip cutscene. And I'm like, well, I don't want to yeah. skip it <laughs> because I don't know if there's anything that's going to happen. Mm. And it is just the longest slowing you could uh, zoom in, you could imagine on a boat as it makes its way to shore. And that's all it is. I mean, it goes on like, I'm not exaggerating it. it. I think it goes on for like four or five minutes. Like It's a case of minutes. Just staring at the at the same thing. Yeah. And it's not like it's an interesting thing to look at. It's just a bunch of clouds and water. Yeah, like it's really boring. Mm. There's no value. There is no value in it whatsoever, which sort of runs central with with themes of the game, in my experience. Funny enough, I can see some people absolutely loving this game. Yeah, I think so. There's definitely an audience. You're this tiny... By the way, much too tiny on the screen for my eyes. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why that was done. I was playing this in 4K on a very big monitor. Same. And I was still feeling like my eyes were getting strained trying to see my character. It's so zoomed out. It's so pulled back from the action. And there's nothing done with the space. It's just wasted space on the screen. Black emptiness. Yeah, it doesn't add to the atmosphere in any way. You could tell that same story if you wanted just sort of this black bleakness outside of the action. Mm. You can do that on a much tighter frame than that. That's ludicrous. It's just so much wasted space. It's Artistically, this feels bloated, even though it's got a very simple style visually. Things are done with it artistically that makes it just all feel a bit like a bit too much, a bit too indulgent. The, uh, that boat ride at the beginning is really just a setup, I feel, for the rest of the game, which is we don't care how much time we waste. Yeah, and I mean, it's certainly different. I mean, well, I, I wouldn't play many roguelikes, so maybe it just feels different to me. And I don't know if I liked or disliked how much they let you find out for yourself because there's there's literally no tutorial in this game at all. You're just dumped in and you have to make your own discovery and how to play the game and how to how to how to um get through it and you're not told that when you die you have to start the entire game again. <laughs> yeah. That the first time that happened, I was I was walking along and I was instantly killed by a spike trap. Same thing. Same thing. And I kind of laughed. I was like, oh, you got me game in a kind of affectionate way. And then I respawned back at my boat. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, I'm not. So, I, I don't find it so endearing now. <laughs> yeah. And I think the worst part about having to start from the original position, even though you can get a few shortcuts and stuff, I think the, the worst thing is that, it, 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 again, it's boring. There's nothing that happens between the boat and where you last died. Like, maybe some enemies might respawn, but I, I I didn't even see much of that. When I went through again, everything felt like it had been cleaned up. Um, so it's just walking slowly from the boat back to where you died with nothing going on. And this, this is also maybe an unfair criticism of, of the game due to its nature, but for me, I'm just so fucking done with having to constantly eat and drink and monitor meters in games. Yeah, survival meters are so done. I'm so fucking tired of it now after this year. <laughs> you know, I'm so, I just let me just play the game. <laughs> yeah. And I realize that's an integral part, so it's probably not a very fair criticism, but just for me, I'm just sick of that kind of stuff now. I think I think it's fair to say, especially considering um below had such a long development time that I think it's worth pointing out that there are these, you know, rather obnoxious survival meters uh, because it, it shows you what was Vogue when this thing started. And now, because it took a while to come out, it now feels old-fashioned. Mm. If it had come out sooner, it might have gotten away with that a bit more. But no, when I saw the, oh, I've got water in my inventory, 
Oh yes, there we are. There's the stomach icon draining. That's like the fourth game I played this year with those mechanics, and yeah, I don't know. Not none of the ones I played this year seemed to do it in a way that felt good or. Well, it it doesn't add to anything. Yeah. It doesn't add to the fun. I'm like, there's not to me at least. There's nothing much fun about. Like, there's a reason why you're watching, you know, Dexter or something. And they don't stop and have a shit halfway through the scene. You don't see Michael C. Hall at any point say, "Oh, sorry, I've got to go have a shit." Um, I think uh, I think it was Berniston, the the sketch show from Scotland, that's parodied that. They did a, a a soap opera that involved characters having to stop and take a dump. Um, but there is a reason we don't do that, and it's the same reason why you'd... it's not all that fun to juggle hunger and thirst and sleep meters all the time in a lot of games and light your light runs out as well and light yeah like if there's no if you can't make that entertaining you are really just wasting people's time between between that and fallout 76 and we happy few and what's the one where you're stuck in the icy mountains called the long dark the long dark. Between those four games this year, I'm just so fucking done with foods and drink meters. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't want to be pestered. Yeah. It's like it's like having a child. Yeah. For some reason, I didn't mind it in Fallout New Vegas. Maybe because that game gave you a shitload of carry weight and it was easy to eat and and stuff. There are some where it's not so bad. Where, you know, if they drain at a sensible rate and there might be, you know... Um, I think that was one of the few things we happy if you did okay, where it was, you're not going to die, but you'll be a bit worse at shit. Mm. You keep these full, you get bonuses. So there's an incentive, like a material incentive to do it, not just constant negative reinforcement. Mm. That was one of the few competent things we happy if you did. Um, but yeah, yeah, there's there's so many of them and so few of them add anything to the experience. Yeah, it's a, ni- it's a nice looking game, I have to say. When you put your face right up into the fucking screen like two inches away, it's a quite a good looking game. Yeah, it's got, you know, it's got a, a nice minimalist art style. Mm, a nice, nice lighting effect and stuff like that. Yeah. It's just so far away. <laughs> it's, everything visual is so far away from the player's perspective. Um, and yeah, it's, it's it's not just visually. The whole game is full of empty space, it feels to me. It's just a lot of waffle. Uh, you know what game is gorgeous that came out this week? I do know. <laughs> I, uh, Gris? Gris? I, I don't know how it's pronounced. Gris, I think, might be right. It's Spanish yeah. for grey, I read, so... Yeah, so G-R-I-S... Greece, uh, someone, someone Spanish can tell us how to pronounce it. Yeah, is that good then? Because I looked at and looked at it and was like, do I need another emotions platformer? Do I need this one? I'm not terribly far in, and so far, I, what I can tell you is, it's an absolutely gorgeous emotion platformer. Um, I've enjoyed collecting the stars to make the bridges to continue my my journey through feelings and colors. Um. Gav, I, how far in are you into this? I finished it. <laughs> okay, how how long is it? I um, it's hard to say. I think it took me about three hours. I have to say okay. this though: for the first, um, there are four parts in the game, all named after a color. For the first of the four parts, I was kind of hit or I was saying, yeah, it's beautiful and everything. I can take it or leave it though. Then, um from the second one onwards i absolutely fell in love with this game to the point where it now ranks up there with journey for me as some of the best things i've ever played in my life (laughs) i can tell you about where i'm at which is um near the beginning you know the red section yeah i've just gotten through red okay and i'm on to the next one so i'm not that far in yet and it sounds like Hmm. i'm I've maybe just gotten to the bit that was your selling point. Have you met the little rock buddy yet that's in all the trailers? Uh, that That is where I'm, I'm like, at there. From that point, the game started to get really good for me, and... Alright, that's something else to download after this, then. Every so often in that game, they introduce a new mechanic, um, 
and new ways to do things. And every time they do, it just feels great. It feels wonderful. And it completely changes the way you play the game. And I love it. And I don't, I like, there's a water level in this game. And I love that it completely flips the trope of the annoying, slow, sludgy water level on its head and actually makes the water level the most fun level in the whole game. Yeah. Nice. This, this is a beautiful, um, it's just an absolutely gorgeous game, but not just visually. It's from what I can interpret in the story, it seems very obviously to be about grief and depression and over overcoming one or the other of those. They always are. Yeah, they usually are. <laughs> She's walking through a world full of like crumbling statues of women, which could either maybe be her or could be a lost relative or something with kind of black inky uh, creatures following her. And it's all it, it's a little bit heavy handed in its metaphors, but I didn't mind because it was so beautiful. You know, it, and you can it, you don't always have to be subtle. If it, if you do it well enough, you can sledgehammer this shit. Yeah. And there's moments in this game where the orchestra swells up during um they're not really chase sequences they're just move sequences where you're moving fast through these beautiful levels and just my god it would it, it not since that final level in journey where you're going up the waterfalls have i just had such a explosion of yes my emotions <laughs> there, there was an um, there was a moment very early on in that game where like my character was like sliding down a thing very quickly and it reminded me very much of that bit in journey where you're you're surfing down the sand and then you end up just being like this silhouette against the golden sunset yeah there are already some moments where i'm like oh that's that's a that's a bit like that and and it doesn't feel cheap it feels like it's its own thing of that yeah absolutely i i've been intrigued enough even with its like relatively minimal early mechanics to be like i I'm invested enough that I feel the need to keep going with this. Mm. And it gets it like this is a game that for me, for me during that first red part, I was like, okay, I like it. It's a nice platformer. And by the end of the game, I was sad that it. I wanted it to go on forever. <laughs> I was like, I don't want this to end. Um, the platforming in it is pretty like simple and, but it's quite clever as well. And I can't really say how they change it up as the game progresses without kind of spoiling surprises so i won't but it does the platforming does get quite clever and interesting it's never really hard which i like uh some people might not like that like you you can't die in this game the worst thing that's going to happen to you is you're going to fall off a platform and have to climb climb back up some stairs ah casual Cas- games aren't good Games aren't good unless you can die in them. I know because yeah. I'm a true gamer. I drink Game Fuel. I, I pre-ordered a can of Game Fuel to get beta access to the Division Two, which is a thing you actually do here in this country, in this fucking country. Um, but anyway, back to Chris. Yeah, for me, for me, like this is a ten out of ten game. I like the only two criticisms I could give it are that it starts a little slow and also that sometimes three or four times through the game, it can be a little difficult to figure out what you're supposed to do next or how you get, how you progress. I felt the signposting could have been a little better. But uh, other than that, I mean, this is just a beautiful little masterpiece and I think everyone should play it. Even if you don't like kind of like walking sim games or whatever, this is still, it's got enough little puzzles and platforming bits in there to keep you entertained. Like, I wonder how many people who like, properly trash walking simulators as a concept don't get me wrong i think a lot of them are shit but as the genre and they write it off as nothing but things for fake gamers and casuals i wonder how many of those people uh love animal crossing (laughs) i'd be interested in the then situation there yeah because that always seems to have probably because it came out before there was a lot of this fucking you know people clinging on to their identities as consumers of products um but you know maybe it came out too soon for that but animal crossing is still considered as this beloved lovely laid-back thing and all you do in it is pick things up and give them to a raccoon (laughs) ultimately you know it's just a lot of idle stuff there's no dying or fighting or anything yeah, if you want a perfect example of why people's preconceived notions are bullshit in that respect, I went and looked at, um, I can't remember, was it uh, 
it was comments, I think, on a GameSpot review. There were four comments and the ge- it was all the review was all praise and everything. And there were four comments all shitting on the game saying like, this is stupid SJW nonsense. And I'm like, wait a minute, what? What, like, in what world is this game in any way that, like, where would you get... Is it be literally just because it has a woman in it? Is that literally the only reason you're saying that? Like, Well, it's like, they, Life is Strange before it came out. Everyone was calling it Tumblr the game because one character had a bit of blue air in it. Even, even if you are generous and look at this from the perspective that they feel this has a political agenda... The game has literally no political anything to say about anything. It's a story about a girl overcoming her grief, you know? (laughs) I think that's anything that isn't shoot the monsters has has been considered by a a subset of idiots. Like, it, it isn't everyone, of course. I mean, anyone who uses SJW1, ironically, is a fool. But there's a subset even among them who are so deep into that well that, yeah, it it takes a bit of colour and a game not explicitly about fighting with a girl in it to be considered social justice war. See, and even then, if the person shooting all the monsters is a woman, it's still an SJW game. It's got to be a man shooting the monsters. I can only imagine, because I, I had to rewatch, uh, I had to watch uh, Scott Pilgrim for uh, the spin-off Doctors podcast, and the the main romantic lead has different coloured hair throughout. And I'm like, this was in that brief period of nerds are cool now thing in the sort of those very early 2010s, late 2000s, where a lot of these films, uh, films and TV and, and everything sort of cynically jumped on. Nerds are cool. Uh, shy, awkward dudes are the hot new thing. Um, we got over it very quick. Yeah, that went away pretty quickly, didn't it? <laughs> but I'm, I'm just imagining now, like, like, people considering how tumblerific the movie would be for having a romantic lead with coloured hair because in that brief period it was uh, and i said this on the other podcast for a brief period it was oh hey cool um you know vaguely nerdy girl with different coloured hair how wonderful and then it was a few years later and it was vaguely nerdy girl with coloured hair get the fuck out of my games you you, you know why that turnaround happened so quickly it's Oh, there are ga- girls. They like the thing that we like. Can, can, can oh, you don't you don't like me because I only like you because you're some weird trophy that I can aim for. Well, now you're not allowed in the club anymore. Well, that that you know what that's all Scott Pilgrim's about. Yeah, you go back and watch it, and it's I, I again I said this on the other podcast. I think that's where incels came from. Because they watch something like Scott Pilgrim, where it's like I can not only be the awkward shy nerd, I can also be a total dick. Because that's all Scott Pilgrim is in that film, is a complete dick. Uh, and get everything I want in the end. He's a dick who's just like, you've got nice coloured hair, you're mine please. Um, you know, n- no personalities or interests shared between the two of them. There's no reason for the relationship to happen other than she is a, a video game prize. And I think that caused problems when people realised life didn't work that way. You know who else is a complete fucking dick, and I only realised it watching it as an adult, is Ferris Bueller. That guy's a fucking sociopath. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, lies to his parents and like, makes fools of them and like, forces basically like, blackmails emotionally his friend into wrecking his dad's car and like... I I love Ferris Bueller's day off, but like, Ferris Bueller is a dick. He's a total asshole. Now we're anyway. the SJWs. Now we're SJWs. It's like when people went back and watched Friends and realised that Ross was the worst creep alive. Yeah, um, we were watching that recently and yeah. He, yeah. He really was not cool. Terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But we don't realise it at the time and then we look back. Like a stalker. When, you know, there's been wider discussions and stuff. And yeah, like he is a weird, creepy, abusive stalkery and he he would interfere he would interfere in rachel's life in negative ways oh yeah in order yeah. to get her yeah <laughs> yeah uh it's it's the fun games that you can play when you go back and watch 90s sitcoms my, my favorite of which is how many episodes until the first transphobic joke of a 90s sitcom it's usually fewer than six episodes in britain especially in the Ooh, 90s yeah. that was a, a big laugh um 
Yeah. Although we, we had a similar game counting it just in Scott Pilgrim is how many times is the joke gay sex is funny. Yeah, that's... Inherently funnier than normal sex. Because it's not normal, you see. It's different. You There is the alternative game you can play if you're on Netflix, which is how many minutes is it until you get canonical gay characters. Um, I, I can't remember what show it was I was watching. It might have been something like Sense8, that I think it was six minutes... Oh, yeah, there was yeah. gay characters, and I was just like, ah, oh, this is wonderful. Thank thank you for giving me a counterpoint, Netflix. That's a good game. Yeah, I, I call the game Six Minutes to Lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, even even in the most generous interpretation of, of, of that, Gris is not in any way a game with anything to say about politics or, or anything. It's just a lovely story. But... It's got a woman and feelings, though, and you don't kill anything, so it's uh, it's one of them. It was the same with Virginia. That had a, a woman lead in it, and it was just a, a an interestingly told um, detective story. But people had called it an SJW game for no reason, because there is nothing of the sort within that game's story. These people have just these people who want politics out of games have just thrust their political worldview onto everything and communicate clearly that's the one lens they see everything through. So, made a rod for their own back there. Yeah. Classic case. Classic case. So, play, play Grizz. <laughs> Gree, Gree, Grizz, Gris, Grizz. I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm going to have to give it a go. I'm I'm probably gonna go finish it tonight. Like I and you will finish it tonight because it's super short. <laughs> yeah, I I feel like I have reached the point where I'm like, okay, whenever I go back to this, it's gonna be a single sitting finish. I think it's all like I I couldn't tell you how long it took me, but it it ended a lot sooner than I would have liked it to. I suppose that could be another criticism you could level at it, but I don't know. I rarely feel that's a criticism. Yeah especially these days it's it was such a relief to play a short linear game because every like all the other games i really liked this year were fucking gigantic life eaters well that, that's mm. why i was so happy with uh one of the reasons i was so happy with the hex was it was really mm. nice to just play through a complete story in a sitting yes yes i appreciated that honestly i you know what games you don't you you'd be as short as you like yeah so long as it's not something ludicrous like the um, the division, uh, not the division, the order, eighteen eighty six, where it was, it was about four hours long and felt shorter because nothing happened in that four hours. Four minutes of gameplay, <laughs> and and the the ending was just like, hey hey, if you let us make another game, we'll do all the cool stuff in the sequel. Yeah, yeah. so offensive. That was so offensive. I've reinstalled Titanfall too because I'm 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 looking to play another nice short focused experience. Yeah, I kind of want to go revisit that single player over over the holidays. One of one of the best shooter campaigns ever. That one. Only other thing I played that was new this week was uh, since we last recorded, um, two and a half years after the game came out, Pokemon Go finally has player versus player battles. No. Oh. Uh, so it's nice to actually have something to do with my Pokemon. That's so funny. I I was there thinking that that was the whole premise of the game. No, uh, it is catch the things, battle against gyms, battle against big raid monsters so you can catch them. There was no direct player versus player battling. Was there co-op? Um... So you could co-op against, like, uh, say you wanted to catch, like, a Mewtwo or something, it might be at a certain location at a certain time, and you'd need a group of, like, ten people to battle it together, because it would just have ludicrously high stats, and if you all beat it as a group, you'd all get to try and catch it. Um, this is the first time that you've been able to go, hey, other trainer, I have a team, you have a team, let's just fight those teams together. Which... It's been far too long coming. It should have been way before now. Um, that It's no replacement for the battling in the core RPGs, but it is a step up from where battling was in the game. And I was pleasantly surprised that it didn't have any kind of... It felt like it was going to be prime for 
microtransaction hooks to try and get your spending, and it didn't do that, which pleasantly surprises me with mobile games when that happens. Um, so the the whole the whole thing is in the RPG games you tend to play with teams of six Pokemon. In this, you only have a team of three, um, so you have less ability to build out as varied of a team, and your Pokemon each only have um, a quick, uh, a charged, and now you can get a second charged attack. So like maybe three attacks total. You could have four attacks per Pokemon in the RPGs. So you've got a little less strategy to work with. You have a little less ability to cover all your bases and to have all type advantages covered. Which has led to some interesting battles where I've had to go in knowing that there is a hole in my team and trying to be more thoughtful about what Pokemon I use rather than just, oh yeah, if I bring these six in, I I have stuff to deal with every situation. It's been interesting going, being paired back to, I know my team's going to have weaknesses, how do I minimise those, what do I open with because of that. It, it's a different kind of encounter. Um, all of your Pokemon get re get revived and healed up for free. They're not trying to push this as a way to be like, buy more revives and potions so you can keep battling your friends. And I've had I've had some fun with it. It's it's no replacement for an actual Pokemon RPG battle system, but it's kind of nice on community days when there's a bunch of people in my town out and about playing. That it's like, oh yeah, that's someone. That's clearly someone playing Pokemon. I have Pokemon in my phone, I could go, hey, do you fancy a battle? We'll both get some rewards for doing it. It's it's nice to have a to be able to have a device with me that just has Pokemon that I can battle a stranger with, which is kinda nice. Alright. I I'm still not sure entirely how I feel about it, but I it probably should have been better considering the two and a half years that we've had to wait for it, but I expected it to be worse. And it wasn't. <laughs> Well, that's something. Yeah. That's that's something. Yeah. I'm wearing a Deltarune shirt. Oh, nice. You got a fan gamer. It's it's mostly blue, and then in the corner, it's got all of the characters, all bunched up. But then round the back on the lower corner, they do this a lot with the Undertale shirts. Is um, what's it? Spade. That's not his name. Oh, the the guy with the spade for a face. Lancer. Oh, Lancer. Yes. God, that game was good. Yeah. Demo, I guess. I it it it's still one of my favorite things from this year because again, it was like a two to three hour thing. Yeah. That I could just play through and it was done, and I felt like I could I'd experienced a thing. Fucking great. Fucking great. Came out the same week as The Quiet Man. About the same length of... Uh, they took about as long to play as each other. Oh, have you gone and replayed that yet with the with the dialogue? Hell no. I'm really tempted. I want to know. I want to know. I, actually, I'm, I'm more curious if there's like... I'm curious if there's a video version of it on YouTube where I can just watch the cutscenes. Because... Yeah. I, I want to know. Yeah, I paid my debt to society. Uh... A couple, couple of bits of news we had this week. Uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 is not meant to come out until the end of January, but there's retail copies out there already. Oh yeah, the Mafia stole them, or at least someone with Mafia connections. Someone with Mafia connections stole some copies from like a production facility or something, oh. and cutscenes are starting to get out there. I'm just like, just picturing Polly from The Sopranos now. Playing, playing Kingdom Hearts and yelling well, at Donald Duck. The, the the sort of connected bit of story to this that I thought was interesting is the, the, the producer of the game tried to reassure everyone with a bit of news that, like, sounds bad to me. It doesn't sound like a thing he should be proud of. Um, apparently, like, the ending of the game and all of the interesting narrative cutscenes that could be spoiled are not actually on the disc. Of course they're not. You can play the game, but you won't get that ending cutscene that explains everything unless you unless you have an internet connection. That'd be part of the fifty gigabyte patch. Yeah. So he was saying it as like a oh no, don't worry, don't worry. They can't they can't spoil the ending. They can't spoil the ending. The the, the disc that you buy doesn't have an ending on it. 
Like, oh, oh no. Oh dear. Yeah. Um, and the other bit of news we got this week was um, and we've kind of had this story pop up a couple of times, but it's happening again. People that made dances in the 80s and 90s are pissed off that Fortnite is making money off those dances. Oh, yeah. This made me wonder, um, what is the legalities around copywriting choreography? So, I'm not, like, a a full legal person, of course. Um, here's how I understand it. When copyright law around dances was originally set up, um, it it was very limiting in what you could uh, you could copyright as a dance move. You could copyright a lengthy series of moves all strung together, yeah. but you couldn't create an individual single move and copyright it out of fear that it would stop... Like, if someone did that move accidentally as, like, part of a transition between moves or something, they'd get in trouble. That sounds similar to music in that, like, you couldn't exactly copyright a techno beat. Yeah, yeah. But you could do do a whole song. Yeah. How, However... The problem comes in that when that copyright law was created, those copyright lawyers were never picturing a world in which a dance could be reproduced, like a dance move could be reproduced in 3D and sold as a as a packaged product. As a microtransaction. Yeah, and, <laughs> and I can kind of understand the argument from the people who were upset about their dances being stolen, where it's like, yeah, okay, Copyright law probably doesn't protect them, but I can understand why they're like, this is a thing that I popularised that you are now packaging and like selling without any credit. That being said, several of the examples that like are currently trying to sue Epic over this may have just stolen the dances themselves. Um, the guy who plays Carlton, who does the Carlton dance from, from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Yeah. There is video footage of him saying that he stole the dance from two other people. Um, he claims that video is in jest, but that's probably not going to help him. That's not going to help him in court. I think, the problem, I think the problem with copyright law is it's more about just who, who has the rights and the legal clout to defend them. Yeah. Rather than who actually came up with the shit. That's something that's been a huge problem with YouTube for musicians in the last year as well. Yeah. I I don't know what the legal situation is, but I do know... I do feel like, to a certain degree, Fortnite does take the mick with some of the... Some of the dances that it's just like, we'll call it something else so we don't acknowledge that we took that dance. Yeah. It It, it feels a little close to the line occasionally. They got enough money, and let's face it, a lot of those... Dance 90s dance inventors probably need it a lot more than Epic does. Yeah. Just share the wealth, friend. Just give them, you know, a couple grand. Isn't like um, Handbag Kid suing them as well, or whatever he's called? What was that kid called? Handbag Kid. Yeah. The kid that invented the most... That dance that every time I see it, it's the flossing thing. And every time I see that dance, it's like, it is literally physically impossible to look good or cool doing yeah. that dance. So, <laughs> yeah, the, the kid who invented the flossing dance that is a big Fortnite emote is also suing them. Yeah. He is another situation where, like, he doesn't really have the legal... He may not have the legal rights to it because there are videos from three years prior of some other group doing that dance and he may just have stolen it from them. I can't remember if it was um, Colbert or one of the other ones, but they were doing the flossing dance. I saw a video of it. I was like, please, please stop. <laughs> please make it stop. <laughs> the, the fact that I not only can't do that dance, but have never attempted to do that dance, I think tells me that I, I'm no longer one of the youth. I've not tried to do the popular youth dance. I've got to have a look at this. I Some of these things just pass me by now because I'm so... You've definitely seen it. You've definitely... It looks like... um, I don't know what... It, it looks like someone standing in a bus and holding on to, like, things on both sides as the bus wobbles around and they're trying to keep their balance. <laughs> oh, I've seen... Carmel has done that. Uh, something very similar to that on the old WWE, yeah. Backpack Kid, that's who I'm thinking of. Yeah, he's trying to sue. He's trying to sue Epic, but he may have stolen that dance from some other group. Yeah, so that's Backpack Kid, and I guess he wants a piece of the 
piece of the Fortnite pie. Yeah. I know it's him, uh, Carlton from the Fresh Prince, and Turk from <laughs> Scrubs. What an amazing trio <laughs> that is. What what a weird combination of people to be like, yes, we shall take them down. We will take down Epic. Marvel can shove it with their ambitious <laughs> crossover. We've got Carlton, Scrubs, and Backpack Kid. Wait, Turk is suing them as well? Uh, yeah, Turk from oh, Scrubs. Oh, Jesus. Um, <laughs> Come so on. There, there, let, there is an episode of Scrubs in which he does a dance, and they've stolen that dance, and they're using that one as an emote as well. Wow. I need, I need to start inventing dances now. I need to start making up dances, yeah. I'm going to make up dances now in the hopes that Fortnite will do them. <laughs> I'm going to do a dance called the Chungus. I'm going to unveil it. I wonder, will they put in... um. Ricky Gervais's office dance. No. <laughs> uh, he doesn't need to see them. He's already fucking filthy rich. Yeah. Um. There was some um, total change of topic here, but it's usually Jim who rants about microtransactions. They came up a minute ago. Yes, I forgot this. <laughs> this week, I saw, and I'm not going to name names because whatever. I saw one AAA game selling a fucking skin for characters. For 20 quid. Jeez. And I saw another AAA game selling an outfit for fucking $30. Right, what are these games? I know you said you won't know names, but what are their names? I don't wanna. I don't wanna. Write <laughs> it down in the chat. <laughs> They're in our chat. The people who've played the games know what they oh, are. Oh, it's it's in the chat, did you say already? It's it's in our um it's in our chat. Oh yeah, I think I missed that. I'm gonna have a look. I'm not going to say what it is. I just want to... Yeah, it's in our Facebook chat. I don't want to get involved in the poopy stuff, but... Uh... Yeah, there's there's one that it's... There's a Christmas outfit for 20 quid. Uh, oh, yeah, I'm looking at it now. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and a 30 to $40 outfit, yeah. That makes sense. Greedy. God, the game industry is so fucking greedy. I just... just I don't really have anything to say about that other than fuck that. <laughs> Yeah. And I don't know how who is going to spend money on that, but apparently people did. So of course they did. Like that's half the price of the game to buy a fucking coat mm-hmm. and a hat and a pants. Oh, uh, that's just drained all the energy out of me. I'm done. So <laughs> this industry is so fucking wretched, wretched. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna look on the bright side. It still had some really great stuff this year, and I can't wait to do. I couldn't. I it, for me it's hard to it, it's hard to pick my top five this year and that's always a good sign. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for when we come back after the uh, after the break of a couple of weeks in the new year because I'm excited to talk about the things I loved this year. Also, one more thing: given developers' abuse over uh, Spider Man because they didn't put a fucking costume in the game, Jesus Christ, get over yourself! Oh, they wanted. What was it, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man outfit? I can understand being a bit disappointed about that, but giving developers abuse over something so petty as that, when when they made literally one of the best open world games of all time that you probably all loved playing, and there's like, what, 30 costumes in the game now? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, that seems really silly, giving them abuse over that. Yeah, that's not on. I didn't know that was happening, but... I shouldn't be surprised. Yeah, they they apparently want the Raimi suit. And yeah, wanted wanted and ask for it. Cool. Go for it and, and Sure, and, yeah. And even like if you're disappointed, fine and tell the devs, Oh, I would have liked that, but I saw them sending it's like It's not that big of a deal. Really angry, hateful messages and it was like, Oh come on. Come on. I mean I was put out that Mysterio wasn't in it. And and I love the fuck out of Myst like ludicrous amount. And I was very disappointed. but And I voiced that disappointment in my video. But I didn't then go after anyone. And I dare say I was a lot more aggrieved. Anyone who wants a Sam Raimi suit, they don't know how lucky they've got it. They don't think about the modern Mysterio fan. Well, if if you've got, like, I'm sorry, if you have the time and energy to be that pissed off over something like that, then I envy you. <laughs> yeah. You know? If that's the thing, if that's the worst thing going on for you, the fucking hell... And you never know what's going on with, like, they might not be able to acquire the legal rights to it, or there could be anything going on, you know, so give it a rest. Yeah. Idiots. Although, you know, I like to think most of our listeners, you know, 
that doesn't apply at all. No, I'm not talking to our listeners. I'm, but you know, we gotta voice these frustrations out. God, I'm very grumpy and negative today. What's wrong with me? You gotta, you gotta get all the grumps out so that you can have a nice holiday. So you can enjoy your No Deal Christmas. <laughs> well, it's not. Um, um, we're not. We're staying in the EU. It doesn't matter to. Well, it does matter to me because it fucks us as well. So, well, that's the problem. It's you. Even if people aren't living in the UK. It's a no-deal Christmas for everyone. <laughs> Noel, Eld- Noel Edmonds is the only one cleaning up. Uh, why is he back in the news so much lately? Was he on some reality? I saw he was on... Is he back in the news? I'm very disconnected. He was on like some reality show or something, I think. Ah. I've had to use Daily Motion to watch Vic and Bob's Big Night Out. Because I love Reeves and Mortimer. And I'm thrilled that watching the new shows they've been doing, they haven't lost a step. It's so hard to find, especially like comedy that rose to a lot of prominence in the 90s. It's hard to find them still all that funny, but they're doing new stuff and it's still fucking brilliant. I think it's just because there's such a simplicity to what they do. I, I, I have to say, I have, this is, I have no idea. Are they the two kind of guys who do the Chuckle Brothers? or No, no, no. Vic Reeves and Bob Mortimer did um, The Smell of Reeves and Mortimer and Shooting Stars. Uh, uh, comedy double acts do sketches and the like. Um, Chuckle Brothers are chil- a children's show. Although my mum said she hated Vic Reeves and Bob Morton because they basically were children's presenters that got ideas above their station in her head. Um, but no, I think they're brilliant. Bang Bang It's Reeves and Mortimer is six episodes of pure fucking art. Reeves and Mortimer. I'm just going to see if I recognise them. Kind of recognise them, but... yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's funny. Most most British um, TV shows made it here at some point, but I don't remember ever seeing that one. Uh, I mean, they're not, they're very well known in the UK, but they they do have their their humour is very distinct and not for all audiences. I don't think many in the US will have heard of them. Yeah, but I I do re- I think Bang Bang It's Reeves and Mortimer is on YouTube. That's well worth checking out. Well, anyway, I was just saying that it, that's it's hard for me to stay in tune with the UK and its culture. Mm-hmm. And I, I just have to hear scribs and scrabs about, oh, Inside Number 9 is a show. And it stars people that I you know used to be big fans of, but I never see their stuff over here. And then I can track it down and know where it is. Mm-hmm. Um, Inside Number 9 is a hell of a show and all. If, we're, if, we, if you want my ideas of what I've been watching from Britain, there you go. I just said. <laughs> Fuck's sake. So anyway, um, I don't know if anyone else has anything to add to today's proceedings. No, just um, sorry, audience, for being so fucking grumpy today. <laughs> oh, that's right. Most of them turned off during the Brexit bit at the beginning. Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we will not be here next week. Um, we can take the week off for Christmas for Crimbo. Um, it just seemed easier that way. Our normal recording day will be on Christmas Day. And, you know, we got places to be. We've got families to spend that with. Yeah, we're not social ghosts yet. I'm, I'm, like, I'm. I don't have to do my other podcast that week as well. I'm gonna do a whole week where I don't actually do any work. It's a fuck. I don't remember the last time I did that. You will enjoy that. I was trying to do that this week, but it didn't really work out. There are some days of the week where I say I'm gonna try it. It's the old cliche of creative work. You're never really working, but you're never really not. Yeah. But then there, there are definitely times where you definitely are. <laughs> you are definitely working some days, yeah. yes. Oh, Jesus, yeah. That reminds me. I have to plug my album before we go. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll do the plugs, yeah. Well, I just wanted to let people know. No, no, no. We're not going to be recording on Christmas Day, for God's sake. No. <laughs> or Stephen's Day, because I have to go to a party. He's got to go to a party. So... We'll take that week off. Um, still got Jimquisition and everything. You know, I never miss those. But uh, we will see you next, uh, well, week after next. And we'll talk about year end. We've got year end stuff to do. And yeah. I'll have the Jimquisition Awards up this Monday. Oh, cool. Will you have your worst of awards up as well? The next, the Monday after that. Monday after. Cool. Yeah. Um, the one people actually talk about while they claim they want positivity. <laughs> I always prefer your best of one. No, I picked them out today, so I think it's a nice little list. Um, but while people are waiting for that, 
Laura, how can people get to your things? Me and my things. You can find me at Laura K Buzz pretty much everywhere. Laura K Buzz on Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch. You can find me Monday to Friday, 9 to 5 at kotaku.co.uk, where I've been doing a bunch of end of the year features recently. Uh, I think we did, what did we do today? Like, get Games That You Forgot came out in 2018 was one. Uh, we had Most Ridiculous Things in, in Games in 2018. I completely forgot that Toad's, that, that Trump's dick looks like a toad. Forgot about that. Um, other than that, I'm on Dice Funk. It's a 5th edition Dungeons and Dragons podcast. I'm on seasons 3, 4, and 5. They're all self-contained stories. I'm on a podcast called Queer and Pleasant Strangers, where me and my partner Jane Magnet do silly skits and try and make each other have a bit of a giggle. And I've got two books, Uncomfortable Labels and Things I Learned from Mario's Butt, that you can get by going on Google and searching for them. Alrighty, and Gav, you did mention level 9. Yes. Album. Yes. Tell us about it, please. Level 9 is my new album. It features every single song I made this year. So that's 16 in total with one extra little bonus track in there. And it was professionally remastered from all the original versions. So everything sounds lovely and warm and fuzzy now. And let me see where we're... It's currently the second top seller on Bandcamp. Not the top... It's the second top seller on Bandcamp. That's not good enough. (laughs) Go and buy it. Because the last two albums I put out were the top seller on Bandcamp. So I want that again. (laughs) So go buy my shit because it's fucking rad. We can do better than this, people. Come on. Every time I say that on Twitter, by the way, about how great my music is, there's some guy who tells me, stop being so egotistical. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no, sorry. (laughs) Yeah, especially in what you do, you know, as a musician, you got to sell your music. I'm only half joking, but at the same time, you're not going to get anywhere in life by underselling yourself. So, you know, <laughs> um, if you haven't ever listened to my music, join the many Podquisition listeners who do and most of whom are pleasantly surprised. Some people think it's fucking shit, but, you know, that's going to happen with any artist. So you can also find me on YouTube under Miracle of Sound and you can find me on Twitter at Miracle of Sound. Probably won't be on it much over Christmas though. And also you can support me on Patreon. And um, yeah, that's everything I think. Yeah, buy my shit. All right, then that's that. Thank you all for listening. Um, We will see you after our No Deal holidays. Uh, Until then, have a cool Christmas. Bye. Bye. And play Gris. Play Gris. Gris, Gris, Grismas. Happy Grismas. Have a cool Christmas. Cool Christmas. Cool. Yeah.